0: We are going to um, uh, step into and think about uh, the story of Rahab. Last night I preached on this story and um, a lady came forward and she said, never been in church or never been in a church like ours uh, indeed. And she said, you know, um, I was really surprised. About this Rahab story that you were telling about prostitutes and everything. I didn't realise that the Bible had these kind of stories about prostitutes in the Bible. I said, well, there is quite a few. She said, it took me a, took me a, a time to try and catch up on this and understand the story, because I've never heard a story like this before. I thought, oh, you're right. You know, so often we preach, but we don't explain the background because often we don't realise that there's people that come that have no idea about biblical context, that have no idea about the story. So I sat there with her and I explained to her the gospel and I pulled out my little sheet and I drew how Christ came and broke down the power of sin, how God built a bridge and would she like to give her life to Jesus? And she gave her life to Jesus last night, which is great. I love it. Um, the power of the gospel, even though she didn't have a clue what I was preaching about, which, uh, which is fine. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, uh, Joshua chapter 2. And... This is the story that I'm going to be telling you about. Now, let me set the scene if you weren't here last week. Last week, we experienced and, and, and spoke about the battle that is taking place, uh, that, that they are moving into the Holy Land, and they are preparing to take Jericho. And the nation of Israel are on the other side of the Jordan, at a place called Shitton. And there they are. Camped there, and as they camped together, they are waiting for the instructions of the Lord and what the Lord's going to do. And they're ready to move forward. And chapter 2 tells the story of this journey. Now, there's some interesting things that I won't get into this week, but next week will. Is that the river is in flood, the Jordan. It's in flood, and we have a, a serious problem there. A strategic problem. And yet God is speaking and moving. I love the narrative as it talks about this. As you read these early chapters, notice that several things happen. Joshua hears from the Lord. Joshua tells the people. And then Joshua, in the narrative of the writing, looks back to all that God has done and looks forward to the promises of God. Just that statement alone can make the difference in our lives. Because we have to keep reminding ourselves, looking back, what God has done in each of our lives. And we have to remind ourselves that yes, God has done this, that God has moved, that God has done some incredible things. We have to remind ourselves when we hear a testimony from Bella, which is fantastic, that we hear that actually our five year prodigals, we can look back and say, God, you did it there. Will you do it here? Will you move and will you work? Will you do something incredible? And so we're looking back and looking forward, anticipating the promises of God, anticipating what God will do. But we notice in the first chapter as we open up then, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim, go look over the land. He said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now notice a couple of things. First of all, he didn't send twelve spies. That didn't go so well with Moses. But he sent two spies. And as he sent two spies, they were going. Now you might say. But surely the supernatural power of God is moving. God's power is with the people. He really doesn't need to send spies because why would he do that when he knows that God is speaking to him and God's going to give them the land anyway? So why do we need to do this? And here we have an interesting thing. That there is always that reality of the supernatural work of God in a situation. And there's also the natural reality of common sense. And sometimes we have to live and we have to live in the balance between common sense of well preparation for what God is asking us to do. But also believe in his promise and his supernatural power. And part of living a supernatural life and living a prayerful life and living a life listening to the voice of God is also having common sense, gathering information, understanding the situation. The two go together. And yet so often... When we preach faith, we don't preach common sense. But common sense and preparation and planning is also part of the spiritual journey that we are on because God has given you and God has given me common sense. And he sends the spies in to find out, well, what is really happening? He sends these two spies. And go, so they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. And the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. Notice that some of the Israelites have come tonight to spy out the land. Can I just make a comment here? That they were not very good spies. The moment they walked into the city, they, they were caught. These were not trained by the British Secret Service. This is not James Bond. This is, this is ridiculous. Within moments, and so the king of Jericho sent a message to Rahab. Now let me just point out for those millennials of here, when it says, so the king of Jericho sent a message to Rahab, the king of Jericho did not text Rahab. There was a knock on the door, the soldiers arrived, and the soldiers said, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy on the whole land. But the woman woman had taken the two men and hid them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. I'm putting a softer voice on there. Did you notice? At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But, verse 6, she had taken them up onto the roof and hidden them under the stalker flax. She had laid out on the roof. She'd prepared this little place to hide them. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. There's a knock on the door and the soldiers come. And she goes, I don't know where they are. They were here. Flutter, flutter, flutter eyelids. I don't know. Now that she's lying, of course, and you can work out the moral implications of her lying here and send me your emails about your theological reflection on the power of lying right here. Mm. God bless you on that one. And, but she flutters her, her, her eyes as it were, and she says, you know, they're not here. They've gone this way. But actually up there, I've hidden them. They've gone this way. Now boys, you'll catch them quickly. Pop along, go down the road, chase after them. You'll get them, go towards the Jordan. They're heading back towards Shittim. Go that way and go that route quickly. I mean, she's clearly had a certain persuasive Ability with men to send soldiers in the opposite direction. But what is the real story here? What I really want to share with you in the few minutes remaining is this is quite an unconventional plan. But you see, God uses unconventional plans to bring about his purposes. And sometimes you look at your life and you look at the problems, and this is an unconventional plan that is taking place in it. And and she's arrived. Right. Rahab, of course, is 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 highly esteemed in Scripture. In Matthew's genealogy, she appears in the genealogy of Jesus. A prostitute, a pagan prostitute, a heathen, appears in the line of Jesus as highly esteemed amongst the rabbis. Early medieval rabbis used to write commentaries, and they used to say that she wasn't really a prostitute, she was an innkeeper, because they lifted her up so high. Let me tell you something, she was a prostitute. But unlike you and I who categorize sin, in the eyes of God, sin is sin. And we do not categorize sin, that sin is sin. And therefore, even in her broken state, God was willing to invade her family life. And I don't know where you've come through and what you've faced and the mistakes you've made and the years you've spent in the wilderness, but there is a loving God who, as we heard from the reading of the prodigal son, wants to welcome you back into his loving arms and he loves every one of you. But what she wants is the salvation of her family because she has worked out something that the rest of Jericho have not worked out yet, particularly the king of Jericho and particularly the soldiers. She has worked out that there is something powerful, there is something divine, there is something remarkable about this Israelite army moving towards the land. And that is that they are moving under the greatest thing that any human being can move under and operate under, they are operating under the promise of God. And when you operate under the promises of God, and you know the promise of God within your life, and the covenant of God, nothing can stop the will and the plan of God in your life. Only you. No man, no person, no offense, no pain, no broken relationship. No devastating experience in your life can stop you and God's plan for your life. Only you can stop you from enjoying what God has for you in your life. And here is a prostitute that has decided and the most glorious confession. Have you ever seen such a confession? And glorious confession, and says to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. Notice first of all, it says, I know that the Lord has given you a land. Game over. I know God's in this. And I know that God is at move, and I know that God has given you the land. Of great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Now, you notice in chapter 2, there's a lot of melting going on. It's mentioned numerous times, melting in fear. Melting in fear. See, when God turns up the heat and our prayers change the situation, the hardest situations melt under the promises and the prayers of the saints of God. So sometimes we need to turn up the heat and start to pray and see situations change. So first of all, she knows that the nation, the land has been given to God, verse 10. Secondly, she understands that, that, that she's heard of the great rumors of what God has done, the way he parted the Red Sea, the way that, that he defeated the Egyptian. Uh, the way that he defeated Sirhan and Og and the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. She was aware of the stories of God and she's saying to herself, you know, God's promise is moving here. God's power is coming here. And I am aware that you have already gained great victories and this is linked to the reality is that when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God of heaven above and on earth below. So first of all, there's a promise here. That Rahab is connecting with the reality of the Abrahamic promise that God is moving and is at work. And God is doing something remarkable. And even though she is a fallen, as it were, individual that we may look down on, she realizes that the grace of God is sufficient. As Paul teaches, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And you may struggle with weakness, you may struggle with a difficult past, you may struggle with failure in your life, but if you bring that weakness to the foot of the cross, Jesus can minister into your weakness and he can be with you. Not only that, but the power of Christ can rest on you as you face that weakness in your life and allow the power of Christ to heal your brokenness and bring true life into your life. And what Christ was doing, he does, is he takes broken lives like uh, Rahab and brings them through to the blessing of God. And he comes and meets with us. So he starts with a promise. And that promise, of course, goes back to the Abrahamic promise that I'll make you a great nation, that I will make your name famous. That those that bless you, you will be blessed. And those that curse you will be cursed. That every nation and every people of the world will be blessed because of you. And I also am this God that takes... Characters who are flawed and broken, characters who struggle in pain, characters who've had to sell their body in prostitution, who've made terrible mistakes, and I use them for the glory of the kingdom of God. And this is linked to the beautiful promise of Genesis 12 and 1 to 3, that even in your brokenness, God wants to bless. That there is a promise at work. And I don't have to remind you that every one of you, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, are a people of covenant, a people of the kingdom of God, and we are a people of God's promise. You've got the promises of Christ. You've got the promise of salvation. You've got the promise of eternal life. You've got the promises of God raging through your life. And you know this. And I want to remind you that this is no accident at all. You're not here by accident. You're here because of the divine plan that God is moving and working in your life. That there is no accident in the slightest. It's a lovely scene in Forrest Gump. You remember that? Now, I'm not going to quote, Life is like a box of chocolates, because that's so cliched. But he does say, in a lovely moment, he says, and I will not attempt to do a Southern American accent, because I'm, I'm, I'm," he says, so I don't know whether mama's right. I suppose I am attempting. I don't know whether mama's right. Or Lieutenant Daniels is right. I don't know whether I'm living on the breeze itself, like a feather blown around. I want to say to you that your life is not a mistake and you are not a feather on a breeze being blown around that there is purpose. For a whole generation, for the last 20 years, psychologists will tell us the generation of whatever, whatever, that whole generation has been robbed of a sense of destiny, a sense of God's sovereignty, a sense of truth, a sense of purpose purpose, a sense of his mighty presence in lives, when we tell our generations that they have evolved from a pond A prime evil sludge, then we take away and they look at the world and go whatever. But we are not. There is a plan. There is a purpose. There is a way. And Rahab discovers something, that there is a plan of God at work in this world. And we need to get on the bus. And we need to know that God's not finished with his plan yet. And God is not finished with you yet. And you go, amen. Amen. There is a plan, I, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to not harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. If you've walked in here with no hope, with no future, I want you to walk out knowing that there's a God that has a plan for you. But you better get on the right bus route. You better get on that bus and go, I'm, 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 this is what Rahab did. I'm this person, but I want my mom and my dad saved. I want my brothers saved. I want my children saved. And I am willing to submit myself to the promises of the God of Israel. Jericho is finished. But I know if I commit to God, I can see this. It's a beautiful Beautiful uh, passage. I want to read it from the message. Eugene Peterson's uh, interpretation is beautiful. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. Isn't that amazing? Long before he created the cosmos, he had you in mind. And had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love. I love that connection. Your life, where it's broken, can be made whole, and your life can be holy. And how are we transformed? We are transformed by the glorious love of God. And we're transformed by his love long, long ago. And he doesn't say in a galaxy far, far away. If you're into Star Wars, obviously you're not. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. You ever thought? What pleasure God took in planning his way of salvation? What pleasure he has over you. What pleasure he wanted us to enter into. The celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. He knew. Now, we planned for our children, we talked about them, sort of. I remember those conversations. Shall we have a family? Yes. Michelle and I nodded. We will. And they came that day when she came out and said, look, and there was a little line. It said she was pregnant. Woo. Hallelujah. We had certainly planned, but not planned how God plans. And then we went to, the, went to the little room where you will see the scanner. We went at 10 weeks because she'd grown so quickly. We stood there and she was lying down, and there was a scan. It was a black and white TV screen. It looked like a weather satellite photograph. And bad news was coming from the east. No, good news. And the lady said, Look, there's baby number one, and there's baby number two. Excuse me. Two babies. (laughs) I didn't plan for that I uh, didn't plan for that at all it was like we hadn't even ever had children it was like gosh at that moment I knew I was called to Canada because I had a double double but sorry that just came to me Two double-double jokes in two sermons. But I want to remind you that you are part of God's lavish plan. And God's not finished with you. And he's known you in his love since the foundation of all creation. And he loves you and he cares for you. But to, to step into God's plan, one has to cross over a bridge. And it's the bridge of obedience. Rahab had to be obedient. She had to be willing to be obedient to the instructions of the spies. Verse 17 through to verse 20. Uh, there's an agreement. There is things to do. She's going to care for them. She looks after them. She's willing to step into it. She's willing to be to be. Available, there is an obedience in this. Verse 17, now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding unless when we enter the land, you have tied a scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into the house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads we will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our heads if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Quite complicated little oath agreements. This. Service level agreement going on here. You do this, we do that. You go out, you've got problems. Stay in the house, put the cord outside, do this, stay put. God's going to move, you'll be saved. Already Rahab has shown something amazing. She has shown obedience to the plans and the promises and the purposes of God. A lack of obedience throws you into the wilderness of your spiritual life. Obedience to the voice of the Spirit in your life changes everything. And when we're obedient to Christ, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Trustworthy in all his promises. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. Do not, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. I want to finish on this last point now. There is one thing that can stop you from entering into the plan of God. And clearly Rahab had not experienced that. And that was, she was willing to forgo fear. Fear stops us from stepping out and doing what God calls us to do. You always have a choice. It's either fear or faith. Fear can hold you back from the purposes and the plans of God. Faith makes all of the difference in your life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid you know i can advise every one of you to take psalm 27 verse 1 memorize it and speak it out 10 15 20 50 times a day if you suffer with fear and i guarantee you something will start to shift in your life as you apply the word of god we can be afraid of so much we can be afraid of our losing our health we can be afraid Of losing our money. We can be afraid of losing our security. We can be afraid of losing relationships. We can be afraid of so much in this world. But when you've got God with you, when you're following the promise, the plan, and the obedience, which Rahab did, a whole family was saved. I love this final verse in the chapter. And she says, well, actually verse 21, not the final verse. She says, we will be released from the oath you've made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. Agreed. Let it be as you say. Wow. Wow. That statement can change our spiritual life. When we look at the promises of Scripture, we look at the plan of God in our lives, and we say to God, I agree with your plan. Let it be as you say. Let it be as you say. No fear, faith. And of course, you know the end of the story. She's saved. And we discover that she actually gets married. It's very exciting. But come back next week for installments. But, but there's this beautiful moment. And I just, this is the word of the Lord, I think, that comes through this, if you like, prophetically. It's this. And by prophetically, I mean the word of God for you and I today is, do you trust the plan of God for your life? And you still seeking out after the plan of God in your life. Do you trust the plan of God? Or have you become disillusioned and broken because something something went wrong? It didn't go as you planned. But you need to reaffirm a trust. There are 170 verses in Scripture that says, Trust the Lord your God. You can trust God. Trust God in your life, no fear. May I ask you to stand and pray? Turn our hearts over to Christ. Last week I preached on. That when we stare at our God, the walls shrink and our God grows great. And maybe that problem you're facing, you need to stare at the problem. Not stop stare at the problem, but stare at your Lord. And the more you stare at Jesus, the smaller the problem becomes. But here is the second principle. Is that as you walk in obedience and trust... God's plan for your life and follow his instructions. And maybe you need to hang a scarlet cord out of your own window to acknowledge, yes, this house and this household belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord. Heavenly Father, at the end of this fabulous time together, heard of a prodigal returning after 5 years and being radically engulfed by the love of Jesus in her life we've listened to two missionaries that have followed the plan to northern india and are seeing and participating in the plan of god's promise for villages in nepal and all across india as 40 70 whatever churches are being planted we rejoice And Father, I know that in my little world, Lord, I want to live under the promise of Christ Jesus. I want to get with the plan that you have for me. And I want to cross the bridge of obedience and trust. And I want to jettison fear, Lord. Maybe right now you know that you're battling with fear. Then reach out to the Lord. Father, right now in this congregation, I pray against fear that holds us back. Fear that binds us. Fear that ties us down. Fear that is around us. And we declare that the perfect love of Christ casts all fear away. Let your love descend in these final moments, I pray, of our gathering. Amen.